Not too long ago, I got a bit of a shock. I was browsing an online vintage shop for a possible present and I happened to see a miraculous medal for sale. I was immediately sent into this deep nostalgia for my Catholic childhood. Uh, the principal image, for those who aren't familiar, um, the principal image on a miraculous medal is one of Mary, named in the Christian scriptures as the mother of Jesus, standing over the globe and shining benevolent light and blessings down on its inhabitants. While there were certainly very fancy miraculous medals, there are also these small and expensive ones made out of tin or aluminum with a little bit of blue enamel on the front. And these were the ones that were given out in my religious education classes for doing well, getting a right answer. Um, they dangled from a little like safety pin so you could display it proudly on your lapel or your school bag. I was a child very devoted to my studies and my faith was very important to me, and that means I accumulated a lot of miraculous medals. Sometimes I'd wear them in a row on my shirt, pinned on and clicking together like they were military medals of honor, except for, like, only this? What stunned me about finding one of these small enamel pins in a vintage shop wasn't so much its presence, but the cost. The vintage shop was asking $20. For the record, new enamel pins can be bought online for under $4. Seven-year-old me used to stride around with like eight or nine of them on at a time. I suddenly wished I'd saved a few to get me through the hard times if I'd known they'd appreciate that much. Perhaps you, like me, have some very specific memories around what religion meant when you were a kid. Maybe your family went to a church or a temple or a mosque. Maybe on Saturday, your family went to brunch or to visit your grandparents. Or maybe you watch football. Maybe you didn't learn much about any religion in particular, but your family had certain traditions around holidays or holy days, times when certain foods were prepared or prayers were recited or decorations were displayed. Even if no one exactly remembered or talked much about why it was being done, it was just the way your family had always done it. Perhaps you had a positive, affirming experience with religion when you were younger. Perhaps you had a sense of well-being and community when you participated in your church or synagogue or mosque or sangha. Or perhaps the spiritual background of your childhood felt oppressive or left you with a sense of shame or guilt and did or did real and grave harm to you. As Irene named in her wonderful meditation, both Unitarian Universalism and Paganism are home to a number of religious refugees, folks from backgrounds of complication and harm, who nonetheless still wish to answer the call in their hearts for spiritual connection and community. And here we are on Zoom together, sitting in this new way of creating spiritual connection and community. Where have we come from? So many traditions, so many practices, so many cultural contexts. The big tent of Unitarian Universalism tries to make space for them all. It's a real challenge making room for as many of us as possible to bring our full real selves into community and connection. The truth of honoring who we are our full selves means making space for lots of complication. I started with a story of nostalgia about a certain aspect of my Catholic upbringing. 
And there are certainly many stories I could tell you about memories from that upbringing that are not pleasant, that are still capable of bringing up feelings of shame and anger. And let me be clear that I did not experience anything extraordinary during my childhood in the Catholic Church. It is an institution with deep wounds that has done real and lasting harm, and it is in no way my desire to diminish that or to excuse it. But I did not have real and lasting harm done to my person. My spirit simply didn't fit there. When we discuss the stages of faith formation and seminary, a phrase that often comes up is outgrowing the container. I'm sure the gardeners among us will understand this metaphor. There are times when our roots have grown as deep as they can and our shoots cannot reach any higher because of the constraint of our current space. If you think about it, this might describe many life transitions. Perhaps our marriage ends because it has outgrown its container. Perhaps we switch careers because we have gone as deep and as high as we can in one space. Or even if we have not, we gain a better sense of a new space where we can truly thrive and not just survive. Not every Unitarian Universalist, not everyone on this Zoom call started out in another faith tradition. Some of us here may have been raised UU from a long line of UUs. Some of us may have been raised with no faith tradition whatsoever. And this may be the very first community like this that we've ever been a part of or considered being a part of. But many folks find their way here. I often use the phrase, wash up on our shores because they've outgrown their earlier faith containers. And many of these earlier containers and so much of our infancy, childhood and youth have left us harmed. Not always grievously, of course, sometimes just a bump or a bruise along the way, a little scar like Nicole's dad. And maybe we, no, at this point, it's better for me to share my own personal experience of Unitarian Universalism and not project mine on to anyone else's. As, soon, as we'll soon discuss, doing exactly that can sometimes lead us into making this container far less comfortable for some who might otherwise want to be a part of our community. For me, when I first began attending a UU congregation, I felt such a great sense of relief and joy. While I had had experiences I consider both profound and joyful within the Catholic Church, I'd also had experiences of rejection, humiliation, and anger. And at first, I saw everything in my UU congregation as near perfect. All the things I liked about Sunday morning worship, none of the things that I didn't. Over time, however, I learned that wasn't true. I missed the sense of ritual. The Catholic mass is the same everywhere in the world. The language may be different, but the motions, the tones can be followed by anyone familiar with them. I still remember many of the prayers and songs and stories from that time. Developmentally, when we are infants, our first senses are of comfort and safety. The faith of our youngest years may well still hold memories full of comfort and safety, no matter what came later. Our bodies learn the movements before our minds understand the words. I also missed some of the hymns, even though I might not have agreed with the lyrics, I missed the tunes. Today, I purposefully selected hymns that I remember loving and whose UU versions I like more. 
UU hymnody is a huge field of study, but that's something many people notice on their first visit to a UU congregation if they're coming from a Christian background. Some of these songs are awfully familiar, but I don't know these words. But let's pull back to that big tent. Not everyone here comes from a Christian context. And so if I stay there too long, no matter the harms it did, and no matter the comforts that idiom still brings me, then I may change the nature of the container for anyone joining us from any other context. If we want to bring our full selves and we want others to bring their full selves, that means there are going to be times when the container might feel strange to us. And it's a different kind of strange. What if we imagine that our container, rather than being too small for us to grow, is too big for us to know? Too big for us to know. Sometimes I wonder if a seedling transplanted out of its small nursery container and into a garden feels terrified of how much it hasn't seen or doesn't know. Imagine you're a tiny tomato seedling and your entire existence has been inside a small, warm, grow lamp lit environment. Then one day the calendar flips over to growing season and suddenly your tiny container is gone, your grow lamp is gone and the world completely changes. When I personally washed up on the shores of Unitarian Universalism, I thrilled to the differences from the way that my faith was formed. And I also took comfort in the familiarities. Unitarianism and Universalism both had their start as Christian denominations, heretical ones to be sure, but Christian nonetheless. What I'd like to ask you to imagine is a space so big that someone from a Jewish background could have a similar experience if they came into our community. Someone from a Southern Baptist background, someone with a Taoist background, someone with a background with the Latter-day Saints, a Yoruba background, someone with no religious background whatsoever, someone with a Hindu background, a Quaker background, you get the picture. And the deep and complicated challenge of this call, this call for all of us, if we all feel called to uphold our principles, shouldn't we work for a container spacious enough for us all to meet and stretch and grow? This means we don't get to be comfortable all of the time, like moving out of the tiny container that was all we knew before. As I've often heard, and I know that Reverend Carl has shared this, if you really appreciate what you experience here about 80% of the time, then that other 20% is a, is a gift. It's a wonderful time to reflect that this is for someone else, some other member of your beloved community. We all have different ways to feed our souls. We can think of the basic structure of our container as our congregational mission statement, which Reverend Carl shares with us each week. We join together to encourage spiritual growth, build a beloved community and act for peace and justice. Spiritual growth is a tough job. Building a beloved community is a tough job. And right now, acting for peace and justice may feel like the toughest and most urgent of the jobs. But they are all important. And just as important in engaging in that work is learning about when we've failed. Failure is one of life's best teachers. But learning from failure is also tender. When we know that we have done wrong, 
something in us feels smaller, feels hurt. No matter what the religious or spiritual nature of our upbringing, when we're faced with failure, we may lose touch with our highest and best selves. We may get defensive. And if we decide to own up to where we've failed, to be honest with ourselves and others, that requires real vulnerability. Brene Brown's TED Talk on the power of vulnerability is one of the most watched talks on the TED platform. It's been viewed as of the time that I wrote this well over 14 million times since it was posted in January of 2011. It's well worth your time if you haven't watched it, but I wanna make a special note of one important point. Vulnerability is what makes us fully human. When we present an image of perfection, that image is always false. We build initial relationships and grow trust over time when we see the other humans that we're in relationship with as fully human, as flawed, but learning. We are finding our way in this new big container after all. Our congregation has placed encouraged spiritual growth front and center in its mission statement. And this aligns with the values of the larger Unitarian Universalist Association as well. Yet sometimes, as now, we named earlier, the acting toward peace and justice part feels all-consuming. But encouraging our personal spiritual growth and the spiritual growth of our beloved community is an important tool that we need in order to have the energy and capacity to act for peace and justice. We want our congregations to feel welcoming to all, for the community to hold our complexity, and it's tender and hard to face those times when we have failed to extend that welcome to our neighbors. It's hard to think about the times we didn't do a good job of making enough room in our big tent when the container wasn't a good environment for someone else's growth. This summer, the Unitarian Universalist Association published Widening the Circle of Concern, the report of the Commission on Institutional Change. This was begun in 2017 after a time of tumult in the larger association, including but not limited to the resignation of Reverend Peter Morales as the president of the UUA a few months before the completion of his term. I bring this report to you today because in a very real sense, this is a long needed first step toward looking at the failures within our own association of congregations. If you choose to read it, and a link is going to be sent out in our next e-newsletter, I will tell you that I found myself feeling vulnerable at times while I read it. Vulnerable and sometimes defensive. Because the report asks me, lovingly and in good faith, to sit with failure and discomfort for a while. This report is concerned with the work that we at UUCF have chosen to engage with in part by adopting the eighth principle. The eighth principle being adopted by a small but growing number of congregations reads, we, the member congregations of the Unitarian Universalist Association, covenant to affirm and promote journeying toward spiritual wholeness by working to build a diverse multicultural beloved community by our actions that accountably dismantle racism and other oppressions in ourselves and our institutions. Beloved community is right there, just like in our mission statement. 
And the commission asks that the association of congregations, as well as each congregation individually, take a deep and curious look at itself to see where the circle of concern simply was not wide enough. The container wasn't promoting growth for many. The Commission on Institutional Change interviewed over 1,100 people across the three years it took to write and issue its report. From ministers and other religious professionals to lay people, from cradle UUs to newcomers, they learned so many times that folks felt rejected or put out because of their race, their culture, their different religious backgrounds. And among the many thoughtful recommendations made by the commission, one explicitly asks our congregations to offer space, time, and resources to address the religious wounds of our past. To engage with the work of making our congregation more welcoming, promoting diversity, equity, and inclusion means looking deep within ourselves. What are the good things that we bring with us from our past? What are the deep oppressions we've learned and internalized? They may come from our former religions, the cultures of our home and family. The question we must ask ourselves if we value our whole selves, even the messy parts where peace is hard to find, then must we not accept the whole messy self of someone else from a different religion, race, culture, life experience? And won't that feel weird? Like we're a tiny seedling that has just realized, in fact, its container is the entire world. In times of trouble and dear ones, you know we're in them right now, many people turn to faith. Maybe their old faith has failed them. Maybe they never felt a need to be a part of a faith community before. But with the continuing work of Unitarian Universalism in our social justice spaces, with the visibility of You, you The Vote and other campaigns, and with how easy it is for our online worship services to invite folks to come check us out and see what we're all about, we might find many people ready to try and find a home in our container. What a joy it will be to make a space where all can survive, where all can thrive.